on Football CFB today by John Hughes, or Yogi, as he's known to, to so many. First of all, John, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's great, it's great to be here once again. Um, trying times we're living in at this moment in time, but and sometimes it's hard to talk about football, or what's going on, but um, I think we just have to get on, on with it and hopefully we can come out the, the other end. Well, that's the thing, you're, you're spot on. It's... It's just trying to get out the other end, keeping ourselves safe. And one of the main things I want to talk to you about, John, is, is, is sort of football and when it returns. You're a manager who's been spoken about a lot recently. There's a few jobs like you've been linked with in Scotland and elsewhere. Do you feel that you're ready to get back into the game now? Because from the outside looking in, you've been out of the game far too long in my mind. I think you should be back in from my perspective. That's coming for Martin supporter. Hold it now before we go any further. Why do you support Morton? Well, basically, it was my dad. My dad uh, kind of got me involved, and uh, when you get involved at a young age, you know what it's like. You just get through the trials and tribulations of the lower leagues. Are you from that neck of the woods? I am based in Greenock, so um, that's where I'm based. I take my hat off to you because that's what it should be. Or your local, you should support your local team. Everybody else too quick to jump on the buses to go and watch your Celtic and Rangers. But if you're a local lad, you should support your local team. So I take my hat off to you. Going back to your other questions, I'm desperate to get back in. Uh, when I left Inverness, it was trying circumstances in terms of, I just felt we had took the team as far as we could. We were losing too many good quality players. The budget was getting cut a little bit. It was real trying times in terms of trying to get that replacing quality it was leaving. You know, you're talking about Shinnies and Christie's and Watkins, all these guys. So, but the most important thing, my wife's parents, the two of them had dementia and the two of them were in the same nursing home. And she, then had the twins, the girls, my oldest one, is a lot older, but the twins, they were at an age of 14, 15. So she, I could see it in her face. Never once did she say, you need to come home. But I promised myself at the end of that year, right, that's enough. I'll come home and give a wee hand. And I was always planning to take a year to two years out. Two years out. But uh, it just it's transpired that I just find it difficult to get back into the game. Saying that, I got very, very clo close to a real cracking one abroad about six, two months ago, six weeks ago, two months ago, uh, I got into the last two and that would have, that would have suited me because I've always fancied coaching abroad. But um, no, it's something that, the disappointment when you're experiencing your CV and what you've won in the game, that um, at times you don't even get the opportunity to interview. But that's just part and parcel of football. There's a lot better managers than me out there, better coaches. It'll be probably be fine going through the same, finding the same. I'm just hoping that an opportunity comes. One thing I will say, when that opportunity does come, they've got a manager that's got batteries real, uh, fully recharged, ready to go. And to prove a few people wrong, that's my fuel. You know, there's a few people had to go. And I just, I love that because that's when I'm at my best, when I've got something to prove. You mentioned you're, you're at your best when you've got something to prove and 
I want to just get this question out of the way early because I want to talk about your managerial career and the achievements that you've got in the game. Do you feel that people unfairly continue, continually, especially in Scotland, are maybe looking at the Wraith Rovers situation? Because I think the thing people forget is you only went in for the last few games. It's not as if you were there for the whole season. Well, definitely. That's the way, that's the way life works, though, isn't it? We play a blame game. But if you look at what happened, I went and I went and, and I think it was February. Yep. They hadn't won a game since October. The top goal scorer, if you look at any manager or anybody, listen, the top goal scorer when I went and scored four goals. I used to play centre half and I used to pride myself on getting 68 goals a season. So my top goal scorer had four goals. The window was closed. The confidence was shattered with the boys, so you're trying to pick it up. Um, but I learned, and that's probably my best learning curve, because you learn from your mistakes in terms of nothing against uh, Rafe Rovers, because what we were talking about earlier, fantastic support of the club. All these guys, they go and support the local club, and I'm delighted that they got uh, back up. You know, they deserve that. And I enjoyed my time there. It was very, very difficult. So. You're talking about within that time, February, you're talking about 14 games. And it was very, very difficult, I have to say that. But I should have done my due diligence, should have worked, knew what I was going into, as I did at Inverness. Um, so I only just went in there and the, the remit was to keep them up. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it. And if you look at the playoff games, uh, especially the second one at, at Wraith, you cannot legislate for the goals that we conceded. That's just football. You can't say anything to the players because we're all in it together. Uh, and I wouldn't like to think that I get judged on 14 games. If you look at the CV, the CV as a coach and a manager in Scotland, stand, I always say that stands up with anybody's out with probably managers that have managed the old firm. Because if you're talking about Neil Lennon, managing Celtic or managing Rangers, you're working with the best players. And that uh, nine times out of ten can guarantee you that you go and win cups and get success. But if you look at my CV over the years, uh, it's right up there with anybody else. So, um, and that's, I'm hoping that anyone that's looking to employ a new manager or a coach looks at that. And also, at the back of the Rafe Rovers, one or two press guys were really naughty. And I feel sorry for these guys. That just tells them they're the cheap journalists and, um, if that's what they're all about and what's going on uh, in this day and world in terms of discrimination and all that stuff that, you know you look at these guys and go quite pathetic but they've done the, you know they put it in print and people re read print and they start believing that and they got it for one or two maybe players that I didn't quite fancy it away for you talk to 95% of the players that I've worked with right fair way back to my Falkirk days right through to Inverness and everyone will tell you it's, they've really enjoyed it and uh, not winning them will say a bad word that's part and parcel of the game that's football it's you know I'm quite sure Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho and all these guys have worked with guys that they just didn't quite fancy and they didn't see eye to eye uh, but when I've had my success at clubs I've run the clubs from top to bottom and when I'm in there, you get a feel of your intuition. I'm a good judge of character. You see it the way they swan you about and go about their business. And when I run a club from top to bottom, these guys wouldn't be at my club. You know, and um, 
that's the way I think. I mean, you've got a decision to make. Sometimes it might not be the best decision for the for the club or the most popular decision, but if it's the right decision for the club, then make it because that's how you get progress. Uh, and that's what I've done at all my all my other clubs. And uh, I look back on that as very successful times. Even last, I think last week they played a game when I was manager of Hibs against Motherwell six all. Looking back now. At the time, it felt like a defeat. But looking back now, you're saying, wow, what a game to be involved in. Six all, highest goal-scoring game in the history of the SPL. We, I laughed when I was watching it because when I was at Hibs, we were attack, attack, attack. Everything I brought to the club was forward, forward. That's all I coached. I coached, I actually probably coached the ball getting forward 70% and 30% more on the defensive side. But that's the kind of uh, coach I am. I want to entertain, I want to score goals. And I've always sort of says that if you best form of defence is attack. So that's it probably in a nutshell, you know. Uh, and if you look at any other managers, but going back to the Wraith Rovers one, uh, you get judged on that. But if you look at any other managers, Neil Lennon, never done too great doing at Bolton. Derek McInnes, never done too great doing at Bristol City. You know, you could go through them. Um, and then I get judged on 14 games at Ray Rovers. But it's one that, you know, I've got nothing against uh, Ray Rovers as a club. Fantastic. I enjoyed my time there. I really did. I enjoyed my time there. And the thing about it is I had the opportunity. I had a phone call from Motherwell when I was a month in the job to see if I'd fancied that or if it was an opportunity. I'm not saying I was going to get it. And I said, no, no, because of the loyalty. You stick there, you know, I'm on this ship now and you have to try and steer it through. And I enjoyed it. There were some real good lads in that dressing room, some real good, good, proper professionals. Just unfortunate, most of the best players were injured. Scott Robertson played for Scotland, Dundee United, never played. Um, Callahan is now up at uh, St. Johnston, broke his wrist, never played. Um, I forget his name, the wee boy that was on loan at Dumbarton. Louis Vaughan, he was on loan for Dum at Dumbarton, scoring goals for Dumbarton to keep them in the division. And yet he was about one of the best footballers at Ray Rovers. And the next again year when he was at Ray Rovers, I think he was going for the Golden Boot, scored something like 28 goals. So you're, less, you're sort of scratching your head. And he would come in and train with us and you would go, you just couldn't work out why a quality player like that was away. Uh, doing the business for one of your fellow strugglers in the relegation battle. And that's that's just the way it was. So I should have done my due diligence. So I'll learn the next time. You mentioned the fact you'll learn the next time, but you'll be stronger from that experience. You referenced your CV there. One promotion with Falkirk established them in the top flight of Scottish football. You look where they are now. Um, won the Challenge Cup while you were there as well. Got into Europe with Hibs when you were at Hibs got into Europe with Inverness, finished third with Inverness, which when you think of that achievement, especially when they're in the championship now, and of course won the Scottish Cup there. And obviously I have to mention, you also got Falkirk to a Scottish Cup final as well. When you look back at your CV, how proud are you of, of what you've done over the piece? Oh, really proud. And there's a, there's a little bit of, I don't like football. Football's a precarious game. It swings and roundabouts, and I don't let not getting back into management affect me too much. But I have to say, this year, 
I really got a bit between my team and I'm starting to get a little bit frustrated. And when you look back at when I first started, I'm way, way back. What we done at Falkirk was remarkable. Uh, if I'm looking back at that CV, there was actually two League Cup semi-finals in the year Hibs won the League Cup finals. My good mate, John Collins, he was a manager at Hibs. We actually, um, we beat Celtic in the quarter-final yep. at Parkhead. So there was two League Cup quarter-finals. We actually took Falkirk into Europe for the first time in our history because of the Scottish Cup. And when we got there, Falkirk were a yo-yo team in terms of a year in the SPL, a year in the First Division, a couple of years back in the SPL. When we got there and went in, and I have to say, not just me, Brian Rice and all my coaching staff, everyone that was round about me, we, uh, we kept them in the SPL for five, six years. And since I left, the year I left, they've never been back in the SPL. So just shows you the standards that we set in there. But it's what we did. We built an academy. And you're talking about guys like uh, Tam Scobie, Scott Arfield. At one point, we had six under-21s. Six players in the Scotland under-21 team coming through Falkirk. That didn't mean to say you're going to make the grade. Uh, Chris Mitchell, God rest his soul, he was one of them. But fantastic kids. But the standards that we set, most important thing, the recruitment at Falkirk, if you look at some of the players, you know who my two goalkeepers were? You had Casper Schmeichel and Tim Krill. There you go. So you're saying to yourself, they two now are playing their football in the SPL. Cost us nothing. They were only young kids wanted to come and sort of really get on with their, play that first team football for their development. Uh, we were always busy. And that stuck with us when we were players at Brockville under Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown. Every Tuesday after training, they two would be in the car and would be off down south watching Oriel Reserve game. And if you look at even at the time I played at Brockville, some of the players that Jim Jeffries signed, you're talking about Tommy McQueen left back at West Ham, Joe McLaughlin, centre half at Chelsea and Watford, Big Joe, who when they come in here, I was a centre-half and I'm just saying, well, you just pick his brains, listen to him, the way he conducted himself. Simon Stainrod, Kevin McAllister, Morris Johnston. So the recruitment at Jim Jeffries, and that sort of stuck with us. So every Tuesday we were away down south, sometimes separate, going to games, meeting up on the Wednesday, taking games, and really worked hard. Then we got a little bit Fortunate, we sort of got into Arsenal with me and Brady a little bit. We went to watch Arsenal when they were further up north. We went to watch them. We seen the boy Patrick Craig playing. Uh, we got him first. He came up on loan. Loved it. Everything was uh, round about him because he was a footballer. You know, he would sit in there and pass it. And he would, we were back into him. He says he had another mate, O'Donnell, Stephen O'Donnell. I think they two now are the manager over in Ireland. I think it's, it might be St. Pat's. Yep. But mate, they two absolutely different class, they two. Then we got uh, wee boy Bradley, who's a manager now, I think he's at Shamrock Rovers, maybe. Brad, we got Graham Barrett, who was probably the best out of them all, but had a knee problem, a real bad knee problem, and never got back to the height uh, he reached. And then we got Stokes, Anthony Stokes, who, when he came to Falkirk as a young kid, all Irish boys. Liam come to see us playing against Celtic at Parkhead. I think that was the night we beat them. 
and we popped it, we passed it really well. And after the game, I was speaking to Liam Brady. And you could see, now these boys coming to Falkirk, they're coming in a right good education because you play football the right way. So after that, it was just getting them all in. And then when Stokes had come, he just took off. He scored 16 goals out of 18 games. I think it was a treble hat-trick he scored. Uh, resulting in Roy Keane buying him. Roy must have knew all about him through his Irish connections. But buying him for Sunderland, uh, obviously we had him on loan, so the money went to Arsenal, but it was two million when off Stokes he went. But even then, it was something else when you're talking about managers and learning. You do all these, um, when you're a manager in the SPL, you get invited along to all the, you know, all the um, presentations and you get, and Sir Alex, and can always remember Sir Alex, always have goal scorers on your team and on your bench. And if you look at my teams at Falkirk, I started off with Daryl Duffy, uh, we got off with Rangers, and Andy Thompson. Andy Thompson, uh, the one that could of himself remember in any way to do so, yep. what a goal scorer he was. Left foot, right foot, never run around it. I see strikers that falls to their weaker foot and they take that extra touch to get Andy Thompson back in the net. But it reminded me so much of own coil, his movement. Then we had to be genius right in the back of him, like happy. Oh. Now, people can turn around to me and say, oh, you're talking rubbish here, Yogi, right? Because I hear Roy uh, and all that one, definition of world class. Latapi's skill level was world class. His dedication to the game might be in suspect, and there's definitely some in there. How did he play football at Falkirk? No, that stuff. But his skill level and his technique it was world class. i seen him doing hands on a football pitch that you would just go, wow. With his left foot or his right foot, couldn't get, don't ever dive into me with nutmeg. You would, you'd think you have eyes in the back of his head. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And honestly, he was so. He actually retired because the two was coming together at Hibs as a player. I went into Falkirk eventually. I was, he was playing at Dundee United. It wasn't working out for him and he had retired, but still staying in Glasgow. Only at the age of 33. I got him, brought him in. We got him fit. He says, I'll play for a couple of years. I think he played till he was 40. And so they two were up top, Duffy and him, we were tapping behind them. Then we moved on to Stokesy, Alan Gill. Yeah, he was brilliant. We were tapping behind them. Then we moved on to Michael Higdon, Stephen Lovell. We were tapping behind them. Then we moved on to Pedro Moutinho, Carol Finnegan. We were tapping behind them. And see now what you say is you're sitting there saying the uh, Falkirk, since I left, I've never been back in the Premier League. That hurts me. It so hurts me because when I was a player at Falkirk at Brockville, you you remember you remember Brockville? Yep. Brockville was it was a dive, but it was our dive. And the character and that was the best dressing room for spirit as a player. I've ever been in. The characters in that dressing room were absolutely fantastic. And I mentioned some of them. You know, and that's where I sort of come, Brian Rice, Ian McCall, Davy Weir, all the, right in the last that we used to get in there. It was, and that character in that dressing room was brilliant. So, and that's what you try to implement as a manager. So, all that, bringing it on and getting that and doing it with Falkirk. But most important, it didn't cost you a lot of money. 
what you have to do is you have to coach. You have to coach, you have to educate and play a style of football. And that's what we did. And I can say that because it gets success. I'm talking about success. Because what you just mentioned, you know, two cup finals, three cup finals, uh, League Cups, yep. Europe, all that stuff, producing young players on a very small budget. You have to coach, you have to promote your, the young players. Uh, absolutely fantastic. So, great success at Falkirk. And as I say, I just wish, I think they've been hard dealt by with the reconstruction and way. But that's football. You just need to take your medicine and come back stronger. But great time at Falkirk, great time. In terms of Falkirk, I want you to talk about some of the names that you managed to get to the club. What, first of all, you mentioned Russell Latipi, who I'm so glad you mentioned him because I wanted to ask you about him. He's a player who I just loved watching. You mentioned his technique. I would agree with you. How he, and this is no disrespect to Falkirk or Scottish football, but with his level of ability, how he was there regular in the English Premier League is, is unbelievable. But what was he like to manage? Because we all know he's a big character. He's a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, the boys would be the boys would be doing their warm up before a game. He'd be sitting having a fag in the cubicle. You know, he was a he was a forty day cigarette smoker puffer, all that stuff. So you can tell it's a trend in the Tobago way. Eh, and uh, him, I'll tell you a few stories about Russell. When that Russell came into Hibs, and we were. We went into training in the morning and the boys, the word was going around, he said, it was a boy on trial last night, he said, wait, you seen this. It was that good, I think it was up in Brecon, it was that good, Aaron McClough took him off after 60 minutes. They come into training next day game day, we were in doing the boxes, you know, the rondo. Yep. Within a minute, it nutmeg me. That's the way that, the steam was going in my ear. But you could instantly say, wow, this boy could play, because you could see, it was two-footed, he would, and he, and he was absolute genius here, boy. Thankfully, we signed him. Uh, and he came into the team, and he was probably at his prime at the time, 27, 28. Uh, and he got changed next to me. So I was sort of become real good mates with him. And he was just, just the, the way he trained. He would all, always sort of say, wasn't he great at the running? You know, the long distance stuff and all that. Uh, he liked the night out. But see, when the ball was out, he would be the last one. See, if all the training was with the ball, you would never get him off the training pitch. See, if the ball was out in the warm-up, he would be first out. But see, when see the running, see, if you were doing short, sharp doggies, 5, 10, 15, 20 yarders, he was first. He had that low centre of gravity where he could just turn, and he had that turn and spin. He was first all the time, and he could do all that. But it was absolutely fantastic. And we were training, it was coming towards, I think I was, it might have been the last season, we were based at Stirling University. So we got lucky because that was a sports facility, fantastic. And the way we had it, it was beautiful. So that helped you attract players as well. So we're doing the pre-season, Russell was injured with his back. And I was saying to, uh, to Brian Rice, I said, we need to get him fit. You know, I think he's just trying to, just play it, try to get through pre-season, my back, my back. No physio can tell you if he's right or wrong with the back. Anybody's taking a day off their butt, it's your back. <laughs> so we were doing a pre-season on a running track and we were just coming to the end of it. We were doing a lot of running and we had them all, they were doing 200, but we had them split in four groups. So it was a go and then you walk to and go and really went hard and it was a sunny day. 
just about finished, Brian Rice gives me a nudge. Watch yourself. I looks over my shoulder, here's Watape walking down the pitch towards the boys with the flip-flops on the shorts, on the phone, sunglasses, not being training. I'm going like, no. So he walks down, he walks into the boys and gives it that. And I always, I never fell out with us, I always had a bit of banter with him. Just at that, all the boys were together and they were doing their warm doing, they were just coming around. And one of them shouted to Russell, Hey, Tappy, any chance of you doing a bit? We was on the phone, we put the phone down, he went, Listen, lads, you carry the piano, I'll play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. I was serious, oh. you fair. The boys, that's what the boys, one thing about all the boys at Falkirk, they could. They knew it could win you a game. And, always, and we were into the strength and conditioning, the sports science, because we were in that sports facility. And we were, Russell used to say to me, you ever see me in the gym? He says, that's me finished. So we never asked him, but he would train when the balls were out and he was absolutely fantastic. He was, and what he did for the young kids at Falkirk, I used to say to the young kids, I feel, playing against Russell with a day in training, and I used to say to Russell, I feel, and Russell would be not megging him and see after a month, six weeks, I feel would be that um, you know, intimidation would be gone. It would be, I feel would be buttoning into him, Scobie and all that stuff. And then we'd put all the young boys, all the, and, you know, we're playing round Robins and we'd be winding up, beat again, beat again. See after about a month, six weeks, it'd be that right. That intimidation of the young boys and the fear of the young boys would be gone and they'd be in the middle. beating them. Next thing, minute, they're in the first team. So he played a massive part in all these young boys' development. And he had a wee trick where it come into him. You know the wee sort of one Michael Wolves done? Yeah. Where it come into him and half turn and come back on himself. He'd done that. Who put it into his game? Arfield. Arfield watched him, studied him, boom, put it into his game. So he played a massive, massive part. That was it. But to man and some of it, he was honestly, you would be at half time. You say, right, boys, come on, let's go. And he'd be sitting in the cubicle, humming a flag at Park Heat. You say, Russell, got a game. And all my kids go out there and be man of the match. He'd be man of the match. Can remember we playing Celtic once and it was a corner. Russell was on the edge of the box and it got played down and we headed it out. And Russell was first to it, but it went wide. And it was big Bobo Baldy, we went after him to try and keep him in. Russell was doing all that, but facing around, doing all the jumping. Big Bobo just went like that, swear, and run back the park. <laughs> if they say, I'm not going near, somebody else do that, it's just too cool. He was world class, yet his desire in terms of, he loved the game, great worker, not a problem. Clever. I used to say to him, Russell, what's, what, where, where do you want to play today? She said, play left wing. I just used to look. All right, okay. 10 minutes, see if you were playing right back. 10 minutes, you'd be like, how are you doing? How's that? And all that stuff. Right, so you're playing right back. You're saying, I've got a game on. And he's probably not touched the ball, right? And you'd be like, shake your hand, see you later. And he'd just come away, way into midfield and start running the show. And everybody said, who's playing against Latapa? You'd be going, me, but... He's no playing left wing, he's away in there. And he would say, you coming? And then nothing, and he would just run the show. He was, he's the best. I've played with some 
And I get asked this question a lot. I've played with some wonderful footballers, especially when you get to the, you know, Frank shows you at Hibs as well. Frank was, but Frank was probably past his best. Frank was at his best when he was at Marseille and winning the European Cup and all that. Russell was at his peak. So, but Frank was wonderful. Then the Canios, Van Hoydogs, McStay's, Collins, all these cadets, all of them at Celtic. Russell was the best. Russell was the best, but honest enough to say, he never had the best at times attitude. Not tonight, out, went to cigarette, all that stuff. But oh, I'm going on a bit. I've got me started. What a When I took him up to Inverness as a coach, he uh, his thought he wasn't on the coaching pitch. He thought he could go on the coaching pitch, be the best player in training, in the boxes, all that stuff, and all the boys. But they did. But what that, this is Russell Matapia and Vermes, that raised the whole standard of what. And you used to say, no, Russell, you need a coach, you need a coach. See, when you're watching the game, if a game's on a Saturday, it would be in your ear. You better get that change. He could see it. He could sniff it. So he knew the game like the back of his hand. And great character. In fact, I'm due to give him a call. Loves his golf. Him, Yorkie and um, Lara. That's another story. I left Hibs. I was playing my football at Air United, but I, I run a pub. I owned a pub, me and my brother. So I got in touch with, with Russell and I had it open for a couple of weeks. I said, Russell, any chance of you uh, popping in? Just on a, he says, I'll pop in on Saturday night. Russell, what Russell <laughs> says, it, what he says it does, it's two different things. So I'm serving away, working away, all the customers. Next day, I'm in at the door's open. And watch Russell, Brian Lara, and about another seven or eight, six feet four, big West Indies fast bowlers. <laughs> oh, my are Honestly, the West Indies must have been in Edinburgh playing cricket. Yep. Russell's met up because Lara's is that's a three ball. Lara, uh, Yorkie, and Russell in the come. Must have stayed for about three hours. That just tells you the guy, the guy, even. Uh, Brian Lara sitting there, one of the best cricketer in the world, left it, you know, so, and as I say, so that was that, that's the kind of guy he has in. So they, they two were golfers, Russell took the golf up, he was useless, he was useless. When we were at Falkirk, that would have been oh, way back. See now, when we were up at Inverness, he's doing it two, close off with two. So it just shows you he's one of these guys, he's just a talented guy. You know, the coordination, I eat ball, but some of the stories, some of the stories I couldn't tell you, honestly. I, <laughs> as a manager, I'm taking the boys out, I'm taking the boys out. I don't want to know Russell, just make sure they all got home safely. But absolutely fantastic. And the thing about it, I get asked this question as well, as a coach and a manager. If you've got that kind of guy and he's no... How do you handle them? Or a manager. See if the players accept him and they know they're going to win you the game. He was the best player at the club. I just used to say, give the ball to him. Give the ball to him. Give the ball to Latapi. And then that was it. Anything could happen. He would just do that. They're all going on about the no-look pass. He was doing that and doing that 10 years ago. Before it's time. Magnificent. So, uh, it always brings a smile in my face when I talk about Absolutely, and another guy I want to ask you about who you got to Falkirk, Jackie McNamara. I mean, getting somebody 
at that experience to come into Falkirk at the time. I mean, what was he like with the younger players? Because I think everyone he achieved in the game as well. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Jackie, Jackie, I think it's Celtic. And Jackie signed, I think, a week after me at Celtic. So the two of us were, and we used to travel together before Jackie moved. And then, so great, and the two of us. So always took an interest in Jackie's career when I left. The career I had at Celtic, absolutely fantastic. And as you speak about him, you know, thankfully he's on the mend with, with, the, with the illness, you know. So, uh, and then when I got the opportunity, uh, I always sort of try to get him. And I got the opportunity to bring him. I know him and Neil McCann were best mates. Uh, I was sort of sniffing about Neil McCann and then Jackie, but to bring him to the club. And I just used to say to they to run the dressing room. Used to, that time Russell had left. Used to run the dressing room. The dressing room jewels uh, run the dressing room. And the way we treated them, Jackie was getting on. Neil McCann was getting on. We had Big Lee Bullen at the time. Uh, and we had uh, Stephen Presley at the time. All of them were based in Edinburgh. And I'll tell you, we week, we would play on a Saturday. They would come and train on a Tuesday. And then they would come back and train on the Thursday, take over on a Friday, play on a Saturday. So the way we looked after them, because they were... You know, make sure they're rested up and they really appreciated that. But even if you ask Jackie and Neil McCann and the other ones, the stuff that we were doing at Falkland in terms of playing through the lines and getting it and sucking teams in and popping it and getting it in a more advanced position, uh, I'm quite sure these guys learned as well, even with the managers that they work with, you know, nearly at Rangers and Jackie at Celtic, because we were working really hard to try and come up with a system and a philosophy, um, you know, that try to be something different. Um, and it was great. Just a fantastic, fantastic professional. But see when they trained, this is it, see when they trained on the Tuesday, they gave it everything they had. They left nothing, nothing on the training pitch. They gave it a, and see if you were as a, as a coach or a manager, see if your session wasn't up to the standard, you could see the frustration of these guys because they wanted to be there, they wanted to work and that's why the two of them have had fantastic careers and Lee Bullen and uh, Big Elvis, you know. And that was a year where we just felt we needed to bring a little bit more experience. And, but that was a hard year for us. But it just shows you in football because that year, we were in the relegation fight. And we had to be Inverness last game of the season to stay in the SPL. And we did that. And, and doing that, that kept us in the SPL. We actually jumped a place above, Inverness got relegated. We jumped a place above St. Mum. But the next again week, we had the Scottish Cup final. And then, the story goes, that's how I sort of had a fall out with Falkirk towards the end of what happened was we were playing that year, we were playing Kilmarnock. We were in the last quarter of the season. I think we were getting beat 1 0 doing it at Kilmarnock. We went in the dressing room. You didn't rant and rave, no way, these kind of guys. And I just says, Look, I'm looking about here. I said, We've not been great. I says, Oh, no, we've really prepared the game really well. You know what's required. We've not really implemented it. I says, You guys, sorry. come on, you guys, look at this, look at the experience in here. I got Brian Rice, I says, come on, we're going to the dressing room. Mistake that me and Brian made, we went back out and we went and sat in the dugout. Let them sort of, that's, take responsibility. A couple of guys, a couple of supporters, or so be supporters with Falkirk, 
wrote a letter into the board of directors, but the guys that wrote them in were fan representatives on the board. So they are actually fans, but they represent, and they wrote, wrote a letter and thinking that we don't care and all that stuff. All you try to do is you try to, as a coach, you try to use every situation how you think you'll get the best out of them. You know, and that sometimes, Mark, Mark and O'Neill sometimes never on the training pitch. So when he turns up, the boys are, oh, here's a gaffer coming. So, so the psychologist, and that's all we've done. But anyway, they wrote a letter and, and it went public. And so I says to the board of directors, well, surely these guys are getting taken off the board. You can't be questioning the manager like that. And they went, no, 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 no. So that's when I started smelling a rat at Falkirk. I went, oh, oh, someone's just not quite right here. And I'll tell you the story, when I left Falkirk, that year, we kept him in the we kept him in the Premier League. We kept him, we got him into Europe and we got a Scottish Cup final. I was then going to Hibs, Hibs were on, so I was ready to leave to, for Hibs. Uh, and the uh, I think money was tight at Falkirk, so we basically got told, right, you can go to Hibs, we need you and Brian off the wage ball, fine, great. Once I went to talk to Hibs, then we got told they're looking for compensation and I got back in touch with Falkirk. And this really saddened me, really saddened me. For, as a player, for all the time I've gave it as a player and as a manager, uh, they turned around and said, tell you what to do, give up all your bonus money and we'll let you go to Hibs. And that's when I says, give up my bonus money. That's when I think I come out with a comment, give up my bonus money. What I've done for this club, you should be building a statue. And that was it. So then I just went like, ah, nah, man, geez, that's no for me. And eventually it did, we did end up at Hibs. But I left Falkirk on a sore note. Not with the supporters, with the board of directors. You know, not after all the service you've given them as a player, as all that stuff, that you're allowed to do that. Uh, they should be doing that. So that was really frustrating, disappointing. But once again, it's part and parcel of football. Uh, and that's when I see, and that's it. So anyway, we ended up at Hibs, but great times at Falkirk. Great times, really. What an apprenticeship that was. And a right good successful time. As I say, if I look back, Challenge Cup, two semi-finals in League Cup, Scottish Cup final, Europe, SPL status, um, five years, and manager of the year, way back, First Division 2002. So... Ah, good times to look back on. In fact, I just had one of my players on the text this morning, Darren Barr. Oh, brilliant. And that's probably the highlight. See the Scottish Cup final? Rangers beat us 1-0. We gave Rangers a football lesson that day. We popped them off the pitch. We, they're not getting away from it. We popped them off the pitch that day. They beat us. They can turn around and say, aye, it's all about winning the trophy. Yeah, great. Something for me, it's about how you do it. And Darren Barn, that's the problem. We had five guys for the academy. Oh, and three of them in the start in 11. Darren Barn was the captain, come through the academy. Arfield, Scobie, all these guys. And I think we had Mark Stewart on the bench. Chrissy Mitchell was on the bench. Uh, so that was really so. That's how you get judged. And we had five guys for the academy. And that day, uh, sad day, uh, losing it, but fantastic achievement. Fantastic achievement, and as you say, you established Falkirk in that division. You, you have really good memories. You mentioned the fact you got the trust of big clubs for them to be willing to get you players on loan. Another player you had who I would like to mention is Arnoux Riera. Obviously, he was at Barcelona as a kid. 
I mean, you're, you're done your, <laughs> I remember, you're done your homework, yeah? The last time I remember growing up with that Falkirk team in the sort of SPL, and I liked him because he was somebody that would sit in the midfield and he would pick passes and he would, he would just hold the tempo. Are you going to tell the listeners who exactly he is? Um, well, that's the thing. Tell them who he is. Well, have, you, have you read? You read Pep Guardiola's book. I've, I've, I've read it. I've read. Yep. For all the listeners, it gets a mention in Pep Guardiola's book. Uh, I think he's actually quoted talking about it because he was a captain in the reserves with Xavi and Iniesta. And yep. if you look at Xavi, that is Riera. Same height, same. Just pop, go, get it, get it, get it. He was on doing it Sunderland when we went down to Sunderland watched him doing it Sunderland and I had a contact in there and the boys I actually got tipped off go get this guy go get this guy now Sunderland to come to Falkirk but once I got talking to him I tell him about Batapia and we had a lot of Portuguese guys I think we had about four Portuguese guys True Russell connection in Portugal uh, he come up and then the training basic where we were in at Stirling University, the state of the art, it was fantastic. And absolutely brilliant. And funny you say that, one of my mates was a photographer at Falkirk. And what he done for all the years I was there, and all he used to say, he used to help us, a boy called Gordon White. And he loved taking all the photographs. In this uh, closed down, what he's done, he's been putting, he must putting all the games up putting all the training sessions up, all the games up, and every, all the Falkirk boys are going, ah, all the supporters, what a team we had. What a, look at that, what a team we had. Right throughout the years, what a team. And Riera was winning them. And he was absolutely fantastic. Really felt for him because when we played the semi-final against Dunfermline at Hamden, we won it 2-0. He was pulling the strings and he got booked, which meant he missed the final. And his old man used to come over all the time. His old man loved it. His old man used to come over. You know, and we a lot of the boys used to be saying that quiet and all that. We used to say, that's a mafia. He's in a mafia, a mafia. And I was telling, I was telling the boy, the photographer all the day, and he says, funny enough, he says, I've just had Riera on the phone, you know, and asking for photographs. He says, and I've sent them up, he picked them up. There's his old man standing there with his sunglasses watching the training. <laughs> Riera, he was a great lad, and he just just blended right in. But he could come off the play, pull the strings, and you couldn't get near him. And him and Tappy hit it off, the two of them were big mates, big, big mates. So, um, ah, it was great. But even now, I know going back, I mentioned right early on, the boy Craig O'Donnell. They two were Arsenal together, Irish, come through together, two of them now managing. We used to go and play Hibs, it was Tony Mowbray's Hibs at the time, and Mowbray had uh, Kevin Thompson and Bruni. They were the two young ones in midfield. <laughs> I just used to whoa, whoa, wind it up to O'Donnell and Craig. Says, you two, man for man, you go and get stuck. But don't forget, O'Donnell and Craig could play. You're talking about they could play. And the two of them, you know, and they ought to see the ding-dongs that they had. The, the four of them, honestly, the ding-dongs. Because it was Bruni and Thompson that used to pull the strings. I just used to need to. And there were more a match for Bruno and Thompson. Tomo got sent off a few times. Got sent off because they two were all about and they could suck them in and play. And, uh, and it just shows you, as I say, the, the days at Falkirk, absolutely fantastic. 
We're laughing. Going back to the uh, photos, that's what's kept us going. Right back to put one up there and meet there. In the game, we played Ajax. We played Ajax pre-season. Ajax played, we're training actually, training at Stirling University. Right? And you're talking about the big hitters. And they played Rangers midweek, and I think they got a 0-0 draw with Rangers, Ajax Rangers, 0-0. We played them on a the Saturday. We beat them 2-1. And the boy was assistant manager. Hank Ten Cat was assistant manager to Frank Riker when they were at Barcelona. He was a manager of the Ajax. He says after the game, this is no typical Scottish football team. He says, uh, he says but we've been watching bits and pieces of them training. This is no typical, the way we pop the ball and pass the ball uh, and all that stuff. And it was the, the right top, top, uh, the centre half, the Belgian centre half, the left, it went to Barcelona. Vermaelen. Uh, and the wee guy, Snyder, is it Snyder? The yep. boy in midfield. Yep. All of them, all of them were all playing. Pop, pop, pop. 2 1, we beat them. And he picked that up, uh, the photographs of that game. So you're seeing it, he's got the photographs of the goals. And it brings back memories. You go, wow. And you see all, everybody, all the ex players. That's up, Gordon, Gordon, and all the boys, every one of them. And that's what we're seeing. That's the best time in my career. That's the best time in my career. That's the best time in my career. I read down this morning, Darren Barr, I had them on the text this morning. You know, God, how are you doing, Gaffer, and all that stuff. So there you go. You've, you've actually, throughout your career, in that time at Falkirk, you've played a massive impact on these guys in a way, not just as a footballer. But your values and the way they live your life and probably the way they bring up their family as well. You know, understand you do it, you do it right. Uh, so great times, absolutely fantastic. From Falkirk on to Hibs and you've always liked working with players that have got a bit of flair and they can play. What was, what was it like working with Zamama and Benjamin? Because they were, they were another two players that just <laughs> liked to strut their stuff. Right up my street, absolutely. Because that's the kind of player I like. Everybody at their own, you know. I like these guys that can win your match, unlock a door. But they were on loan the year before I went. And when I went in, Rod Petrie says, what happened at Hibs when I first went into Hibs? Hibs had a very successful uh, youth team. And they were all due to come uh, first year pros. I think they only got beat once and it was the Falkirk kids that beat them. So when I went into Hibs, all of them were on the first team training pitch. And I'm saying to myself, these guys are not quite ready yet. After the first, first week, I said to Brian Rice, what do you think? He says, I think you better get five or six players in. I said, serious? I said, I won't be able to get that. We got lucky because Patrick Craig was out of contract and Kevin McBride was out of contract. That, um, folk at them two were um, really good footballers, get on the ball, could run the game for you. The two of them could run the game. You know, never give the ball away. And then, um, I says to Rod Petrie, I need to get this. He says, uh, Benjamin and Samama's coming back. He says, Do you want them to stay on loan? I says, Get them back. Get them back. Couldn't ask for two better guys. Good, good, good people. Benji, a wee bit better than Samama. Samama was a wee bit harder to handle. Benji was a dream. Didn't link it a wee bit too much in training when people got stuck into him and all that. And maybe looking back, I maybe should have played them a lot more 
But if you look at the strength force that I had, I was looking at that last year. As a team last year, had scored 51 goals. Stokesy, Ryerton, Missy scored 52 goals between them. Stokesy scored 22 because we got him back up for Sunderland. So I had Benji, Samama, back on one. We got Stokesy because we had sold Fletcher doing a... Coyley had what I'm doing at Burnley. Uh, so, and everything, even for the minute we went into Hibs, attack, 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 get at them, get at them. And we got, we got the best out of them all, Liam Muller, God rest him. Uh, he was you know, just, just a step above the way. Like Jackie, what I said about Jackie, the way these guys train, the way they conduct themselves, uh, first on the training pitch, last off, fit as a fiddle, live for the football, just want it. You know, and I see, used to say to the young guys, get around the boot him, get around the boot him. That's, we do the yo-yo test, it would still be running right off the brakes. Boop, boop, still gone. Un unbelievable. Take that onto the pitch. Quiet, unassuming, box to box. And the reason I got him, because his best mates with Graham Barrett. You know the kid I told you about at Arsenal? Yep. They were best mates. Barrett and then Barrett, and because of the injury, had to retire, went into the... Agent game, and so he says to me, Listen, Liam had married a Scots lassie just for outside Edinburgh. He says, Liam just wants to come up and join his football. He says, Oh, geez, I'll come up, played for, trust me, played for next to nothing. Played for everybody, thinks, Oh, played for next to nothing. Let me play. He had made all his money. Let me go and enjoy my football. On you go. Ryerton, magnificent, magnificent. Ah, you could be his boys, but Derek and a wee bit this and that. Like my tappy, no interested in all the running stuff and all that. But you conditioned the training. Five aside. See when the ball come out. Left foot, right foot, top corner, bottom corner, back heels, chips. And look, but you, oh, he was just saying, you just went when you go, wow. And I always used to keep saying, oh, Derek. There's a bonus, I'll give you an extra 50 quid if you ever chase back 40 yards, do a slight tackle, come away with the ball. And he, to be fair, I mean, he used to try and put that in his game, but he loved it and he loved the way we played football because it was attack, attack, attack. And he was getting plenty. He was getting plenty of the ball, scoring goals. Big Nishi played his part. But as you see, Samama and Benji, going back to them, Benji should have played a lot more because he was one of the most talented players there. But Samama was even more talented. He was like a Latapi. Like uh, Huffy wee boy at times, you had to know how to manage him. But halfway during the season, he picked up an injury and never played for the rest of the season. And uh, looking back at that 6 all game, I was actually, because I'd done a wee bit on it, I'm saying, what was my team again? Samama was injured. But great boy. Everything but I got brought up on as Hibs. What you say, Tamama, Benji, you mentioned the players. Do you know why? Because they get you on the edge of your seat. Absolutely. You, you, you go like, oh, well, I like, I'm always in the opposition. I want them to have a stinker. But sometimes you go, wow, what a bit. Because you do have, you do stuff that you go, did you, you know, how do you do that? And they too had that. They, they certainly had that. Um, so it was good. I got on the hips, but it was a hard club to manage. Rod was a, Rod Peter was a hard chairman to work for. Uh, and before going into too much detail, just look at all the managers before me and look at all the managers after me. I think our lifespans a year. And we all cut right down to Frank Sosie, the legend. I think he lasted 69 games. John Collins, a year. 
Makes you a year, myself a year, Colin Calderwood a year. You know, and you just go, wow. So, and then you look at some of what we've done since we've left Hibs and you go, it was a very difficult, it was a controlling club. In terms of great club, because that's my club, but it was a real controlling club and uh, it was difficult. Uh, and then obviously, because you're not going to run it and all that stuff, uh, do it your way. It becomes a little bit exasperating the results didn't go. And even in that season, I have to say this, we got we were flying first half of the season, great football, scoring goals for fun, always entertaining. And then the second half of the season, we struggled a little bit. The stand opposite the main stand got demolished, so there was atmosphere. But what happened, it really damaged the pitch. And Derek Ryan then come out and says that it's hampering us. He got fined two weeks' wages. Rod fined because he went public to the press and he was only saying whatever. And he got fined two weeks' wages. I think he got the union and I think eventually he got it sorted out. Uh, so it was a wee bit, but that game against Motherwell, um, they were nipping top for, the, for, for Europe and we had to go there and get someone. And I can remember going into that game, but me and Brian said, What do we do? Do we just go there? No chance. We're going to attack them. We're going to attack them. And uh, it'd be 6 2 up, you think the game's won. Uh, but served its purpose. The objective was to go and get someone, score six goals away from home. Don't know the last time Hibs have done that. Next to game week, we beat Dundee United to get that European spot. So for all that, to be in at Hibs, at Hibs your first year, get, and even the young guys I told you about right at the start, you know, on the young ones, um, Hanlon played, although Hanlon was basically breaking into the first team. He played on a more regular basis. And uh, Witherspoon, now up at St. Johnston, yep. he made his debut. So once again, get the youth in. Get the youth in. Get the youth in. Give them the chance. Uh, and then you get that fourth in Europe through the league position. Now, this is with Celtic and Rangers, Callum, in the league. You're talking about so, and I think it was, it might have been Dundee United that finished the, got the first spot. Yeah, they finished was it? Uh, we got that fourth spot to get Europe. So to get the sack eight games into the new season, you're sort of saying to yourself, no. But the relationship was not great. You know, the relationship had broke down. I tried to sign three players. I'll tell you a story. I tried to sign Scott Arfield from Falkirk. I tried to sign Jim O'Brien from Motherwell. And I tried to sign a boy called Sergio Green because we went over to Holland to do our pre-season. Love going over to Holland. You never win a game, you get a football lesson. Uh, but I think it serves you, and serves you good. And the boy was training with us. Come back, pick them to Rod. Rod says, aye, fine, 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 great. Week down the line, how are we getting on? How are we getting on? Uh, I was speaking to the agents every day. Rod wouldn't even speak to the agent. It wasn't even speaking to the agent. So you're working with your hands tied a little bit. And even going back to the Fletcher one, the Stephen Fletcher one. We, I got Stokes here, but I was on holiday in America. I got a phone call from Owen Coyle telling me he's, he's buying Fletcher and the, the deal's done. And so I knew he was away, but I found out three days later. You know, never had to say, no, I want to keep him. But, I, you know, I'm sort of saying, because I felt I could have got Stokes here. And we got Stokes here from Sunderland for a snippet. All the money I've spent, all the years I've been in football, 
You know how much money I've spent? Come on, have a guess. Uh, five, five hundred grand. Two hundred and fifty grand. Two hundred and fifty grand on five players. Dean Holden, no assistant manager doing at Bristol City, was one of them. Twenty-five grand. John, we budget up at Aberdeen. John Stewart, he was fifty grand. Alan Gill, we went to a tribunal, had to pay fifty grand, and Stokes, he was the rest. That is tremendous. That's it. Because I think if you do your work, the players are out there if you know where they are. And you're ducking and diving and away doing self doing your graft. And you've got your list of players and you're putting it in. And that's what I'm saying. That's how we got Casper Smeichel. As soon as we seen him, we said we were ready to come back up the road. But that's what I'm saying. See at Falkirk, I knew when I went down there, I've got 800 quid as a wage in my pocket because I knew the budget. See, when I went down to Hibs, Rod Petrie says, you're not going to do self, are you? I said, because I don't know what I've got to spend. So we went to see Casper Smeichel with Falkirk, the game was finished, and it was actually Joe Hart was sitting, I didn't know it was Joe Hart at the time, we just had a couple of boys with a Man City tracksuit on, but being busy, I'm right in there and I'm saying, Casper, Casper Smeichel, didn't see goalkeeper, I'm a goalkeeper, and it was Joe Hart, I realised then, oh, I said, oh, aye, aye, he was on loan at Shrewsbury at the time, she's a different class. And I says, what about the other big boy? This big boy just kept jumping out of defence. He did the ball at the time. It was Mike Richards. He says, he's close to the first team. You might know something or that. So after that, I says to Chipper, the game's for us. I'm saying to Chipper. Chipper says, come on, let's get the road. I'm saying, no, thank Chipper. I says, you know Pierce, Stuart Pierce, manager of Man City. You were at uh, Forest with him, eh? I went, aye, come on. Well, I'm coming out of the dressing room. Chipper, like, all right, Stuart. Aye, aye, me, what I'm working Says Chipper, no bother. He says, Cause see where the hang is, you know you're doing doing your work, taking the game and looking up. Says I'll be on the phone to you in the morning. On the phone, I that afternoon Casper was up. Casper was up. And it done him a world of good. You know, playing that first, he was great. Brilliant. See every time was a penalty on the telly against Leicester. Casper will save it. Because he was he done it in training. He done it, it was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Then he would come out and take penalties. Never miss one or take three kicks, never miss, but just a workaholic. Work couldn't get him off the training pitch. So brilliant. And that was that. So going back to Hibs, and that, that was the story. We went to see Casper. I had them right, and we say to we used to say to Stuart, Stuart, we've got 800 quid. All right, I'll get it. As long as he plays, as long as he plays. All right, fine, and done, I'm great. And that was it. So, and Hibs. And that was, that was my club, that was the one that I wanted to real get the success because that was my club as a player there. Leaf born and bred, you know, watched them for a young kid coming up uh, and it just didn't work out. So maybe one, one day it might come back to me, you never know. Uh, a little bit disappointed there when it come up there that I never got the opportunity to interview. You know, now that Rod was away and it's a movie. Do you know what me and Rod, I still got on with Rod, but it was just... You know, and you're sort of saying, I knew you wanted to maybe get a chance here. Uh, everybody at own, disappointed I never got the interview, but I've got a good manager and I just wish him all the best. Uh, and work with some wonderful players there as well, as you say, Benji, Samama, all these guys, Liam Muller, and some unsung heroes. Uh, you know, in terms of the boy Kevin McBride, that he, you know, he, he was like, you could give him an instruction on the pitch and he could orchestrate it. Never give the ball away. So, 
good, really good, good, I really enjoyed my time. And it was an honour and a privilege to go and manage him. And as I say, you never give up hope that one day you might end up back there. Absolutely. And something I want to talk to you about, John, and I'm going to link it to Hibs. As a manager, what's it like going to play Celtic Rangers at Celtic Park Mybrooks? Because in that season where Hibs finished fourth, people forget this. You go to Celtic Park and you beat them 2-1. Aye. I've always, I've always gone and have a go. We always go and have a go. And even at that Hibs team, we go and have a go. Always. Uh, and for the minute we went, and actually me and Brian used to say that. He said, do you think we should change it a wee bit? And, you know, be that a wee bit more... Uh, Defensive and all that, not everything was offensive. Get there to attack it, get it to these boys that could win you a game. Uh, and we always took the hope for them on, no matter what, we took them on. You knew we were in a game. Uh, and you have to go there with a real positive mindset. Listen, you can go there and get beat, and everybody say, Ah, well, running. So, go if you're going to go there with that mindset, thinking, Ah, well, we're up against it, go and have a go. Doesn't always work, but nine times out of ten, go take them on every time. Oh, joy. I think having an experience of playing at Parkhead and the crowd and all that stuff and what the Celtic, Celtic had a massive influence on how I want to coach a game. So going there and getting it done and it's absolutely brilliant. So never, never. And then you get in the mindset. You, you can't go, go there and be intimidated any trepidation. You go, you have to have that inspired you. Uh, and we had some good results and go and have a really good go. And as you say that one, I'm trying to think who, who got the goals that day. Stokes, he got the goal and then Gilbraith got, Danny Gilbraith scored the winner on the 92nd winner. Aye, Danny, Danny, that's it. Aye, but we've always, even at the Folk Cup days, we always took Celtic and Rangers on. So, aye, good. Uh, and it's always difficult. So, um, aye, it just brings back good memories. Danny Gilbraith, Stokes, aye, good. Uh, aye, excellent. Aye, but that's it. Hands move on. As I say, I, I, I always say that I've said that about Hibs, you know, I was hoping I could have stayed at that club for a number and number of years, but that, that's football, that, that's it. You mentioned the fact that's football, you leave Hibs. Actually, you'll not know this, I met you for the first time just after you left Hibs. I was in high school at the time and some of us got to go to the Scottish Cup draw. It was David Tanner was doing it, you were there and Sean Maloney was there as well. Um, and I remember seeing you for the first time that day and you, I remember you spent time speaking to, there was me and there was about maybe another eight or ten from the high school I was in and a few and we were all kind of huddled round and you and Maloney came straight over and answered every question that, that we wanted to ask you which I thought was a touch of class Right, well that's what football's on but that's what I'm saying, you're talking about guys like Casper Schmeichel and like Tapies and Benji every, every footballer I've met is doing the F Honestly, Russell would give you the last pen in his pocket. He's right down the earth, no airs or graces, just loves a bit of banter. And Most of your players are working class. You know, we're all comfortable, we all had a hard upbringing, we see footballers are out, so there's no ego, what a dude am I, no airs or graces. And the, this is honest, the higher up I went in terms of the Canio and all these guys, ah, oh, the Canio would be in his company, just one of the boys. Just one of the boys, just a great lad, Van Hoydock, one of the boys, John Collins, one of the boys, all these guys. And I think everybody from outside then, they all go, oh, there must be, aye, they carry that aura about them. But no, he goes about them, just so dumpy effort, unbelievable. And I think that's, I think if you let it get to you, nah, I, I never change, never let football change me. Never let them. Treat people 
the way you like to be treated yourself. But if I knew it was you, I would have gave you a pie. You leave um, you leave Hibs as you say. You were linked with returns to football. You were interviewed for Swindon um, in that kind of close season afterwards before then going to Livingston. What was that time like for you, John, when you leave Hibs? Were you in trip? Because I always wonder with this, were you desperate to get back in the game as soon as possible? Desperate. Or did you want a break? Desperate. No, desperate to get back in the game. I'll tell you why, because I was wanting to prove people that were wrong to do that. I was a little bit disappointed the way it went. I thought the, the Hibs fans might have been a big, uh, being a local boy, captain the club and all that stuff. They might have, you know, stood up. But you know the way things get manipulated and all that stuff and how it can get out there and the propaganda machine. I got made like that. So I thought, oh, aye, great. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Uh, so, I to get back in it, I'm desperate to get back in it. It was John Collins, the guy that I jumped about with. And the reason everybody is, is a good mate of mine, everybody thinks, oh, I'm an old mate's act. It wasn't like that. I might have had a wee bit of it. But it was because every time we played with Falkirk, played John's Hibs team, it was a football match. And John's a purist, likes to play football and all that stuff. So, when he went in and directed the football at uh, Livingston, he says, do you fancy it? It's total football. We've not got much money. You'll need to work with the kids. I said, ah, give me a bit of that, get me back in there. You know, no too far away from the house, all that stuff. Working with John, it was absolutely fantastic. Love it. And we worked with some great players. Two boys, McNulty. Mark McNulty is now doing it red in his own loan at Hibs. was one of the strikers and there was a wee midfield player called Stefan Skugel. Yep. Ended up going down to Sheffield United, Scotland under 21. I think he's at Carlisle now. Real talented footballer. Two Jacob brothers were there. Uh, boy Paul Watson uh, was there, Craig Barr was there, it was a good bunch of boys, right good bunch of boys. Uh, and the chairman was the best chairman I've worked with, a wee boy called Gordon McDougall. He was right in. You would go and watch your kids, as a manager, you go, you would go and watch your play on a Saturday, you'd go and watch all the kids games on a Sunday, even if it's away from home. So if you're over at, let's just say, Rafe Rovers, the chairman would be driving the minibus, picking up all the kit, or washing all the strips. It was hands-on, me, Gordon McDougall, everything. It was fantastic. So much so, remember, the year I went, Inverness got promoted. Yep. But the league denied them. I don't know the reason why, but the league denied them the rightful place. You know, he kept them full-time and paid all their wages at his own pocket. That's what he done, Gordon McDougall. Because you know, he said, I'll keep you full-time and he paid all the wages at his own pocket. Or made it up. That tells you the kind of guy he was. Absolutely fantastic. So it was great. It was absolutely great working there, uh, working with the kids. I can remember John Collins went on holiday uh, and he says, what you got to do? I said, no, I'm just talking and diving. In Edinburgh, even when I was coming up, the juvenile, see, you got all the academies, football academies, great, everyone at their own. When I was coming up, you could just go and watch a juvenile. You're talking about Hutchivale, Dyna Hibs, Tynecastle, Salve. You could just go take the A4, take the A4, take the A4. Well, we're all, all the best players played in the juvenile league. I went back to that and I said, right, give me the top four teams in the league. Why to watch them all? And I signed some of like 10 kids, 16 year old, brought them all in full time. They were all next to nothing, YTS. But we coached them and coached them and coached them and hoped we could get them into the first team. And that was it. The, the philosophy that we had at the time. And we did get a few of them into the first team, and I really enjoyed that. 
But as you say, that we can move on. The chance always wanted to go and manage an England. And the chance come up to go and get the, the Hartley pool. I had a wee, a wee sniff at it. And because of we had a wee sniff at it, you're sort of saying to yourself, I'm going to get it. It's no case that you... So if you know you've got to get it, then you have to weigh up the pros and cons. And uh, I died at it. It was English first division. Uh, and that, they probably had, I think they had eight points out of 20 games when I went in. Uh, we ended up getting relegated, but my win ratio when I went in there, if you had looked at the win ratio, we would have finished mid-table with the first division. Uh, and I loved it doing it. That was probably, see how with everything that we're talking about, that was probably, although we got relegated and I'm no patronising or covering over, that was probably one of my, the hardest, but one of the best achievements to get there because when I went in there I think there was about five or six at 35 in the team. Um, they, they were struggling for confidence. I was a new manager got in there but I got very lucky because I went in there and the two coaches, a boy called Mickey Barron who was a legend, he was great. He was great. He was absolutely fantastic. He kept me on the straight and narrow. And a boy called Richie Humphreys, Richie went on to be, I think the chairman of the PFA, Richie played at Hartlepool for years. The Sheffield, uh, these two boys were brilliant for me, and it was great. And a real hot bed of football doing in the northeast. They loved their football doing there, and the supporters were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And we done really well, got some great results. Just so happens, it's a handy-mouth existence in terms of right duty. I can remember the second last game when we were going down to play Stranraer. The phone went on the bus. And the kit man took it, and I could see the kit man put his phone down, it was a little bit sheepish. So I said, what's the problem there? I went, no, no. So Mickey Barn, assistant manager, jumped in and he got it. So I said, Mickey, can you what's the problem? He says, oh, nothing, Gaffer, it's been gone on all year. I says, what is it? He says, just when we go for pre-match, you know the staff's no, no allowed to pre-match, we're not allowed to eat. I says, what? He says, ah, he says, but it's been gone on all year. He says, but we just, we just go in and stay. I says, serious? I went, oh, hi, he says, that's the rules. I says, wait, that's that truth. I didn't know, but he says, because just thought we were players anyway. That's the kind of thing that you were dealing with. Once again, couldn't get any players in the window and shut, but they had the big striker, Charlie White, that's at Sunderland now, mm-hmm. on loan. So they, they kept him, and that was it. And we just got on that big Stevie Howard, big Stevie Howard as well, uh, played at Leicester City. He was on, I was sitting in, uh, I was at the swimming baths with the kids and he uh, gave me a phone call saying, you know, I'm going on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. I said, no, I don't. This was uh, 20 minutes before the deadline. He said, no, he said, I didn't think you were. He says, that's why I'm phoning you, gaffer. I said, batter in, Stevie. Batter in, that's what, that was it. That was a hand-to-mouth and you had to wheel and deal and all that stuff. But a really enjoyable time, really enjoyable time uh, doing there. And uh, once again, Really enjoyed working with the players. Really did. You mentioned the fact that you learn a lot during your time down there. People forget that you won Manager of the Month as well when you went in down there. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't all bad as as some people maybe would have you believe. And you learn a lot, and you get the chance to come back up to but, Scotland. Callum, which... that's what I'm saying. If if you look at the win percentage, you know if you could be one of the geeks. Like you are. <laughs> well, I, I can give you your run percentage at Hartlepool. You're talking about 30, uh, just over 30-odd percent. I think we, I think we, we, we would have finished 
just middle, middle of the first division. So it's sorry to see where they are now as well, you know. And uh, I can remember even the next year I come up for the pre-season. This is what happens, it's a true story. I come up, close season, come back up, got a phone call, uh, what to do this, and we're trying to get Stevie. Stevie Howard was still on, I said, let him go, black bits and pieces, and they say, oh, by the way, after two weeks, you need to come back to Hartlepool. He says, what? I says, it's close season. No, no, we'll pay you two weeks. If you're not doing here, register into the club every morning. I says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just take my holidays, right? I come back with the players, don't need to pay me next again day. No, no, you need to come do and all that stuff. So I take two weeks holidays and then and then next again they phoned up and say, right, that's it. that's what that's what you were dealing with. That's a true story. That's hand on heart true story. Next again day, no no. So they were wanting me to take my two weeks holiday and then there was no work to be done. All the players were away, going to the club. Hi, how are you doing? Right, go and duck and dive and that's it. That's yeah. Time's up. So that was it. So we called it quits. And moved on to next one was Inverness, wasn't it? Well, that was it. You move on to Inverness, and you look, you think back to your time at Falkirk. Inverness, I think, was a similar job to what you did at Falkirk, but even more successful. You take a club that's not traditionally a club that plays top six football in Scotland. You win the Scottish Cup. You get them third in the league. Again, you play a good brand of football. You've got Latipe involved in the coaching side of it, as you say. I mean, just what was it like going there? I'll tell you what started. See that one there because I knew coming on the back of uh, the Hartlepool one and wee bits and pieces. You're starting. You're sort of saying yourself that come up. I've done my due diligence. That's where, I, and I knew what they had in terms of players. That was the first thing. Do your due diligence. And then when I went up there, uh, it was assessing the players. And when I talk about assessing the players, your your first week at training, you're assessing. Not just on the training pitch, you the conduct, you're asking all the questions, all that stuff. And then as I'm assessing the staff as well, Duncan Shearer was my assistant manager, absolutely different class. But when I was looking at the players in the academy, uh, in the first team you're talking about like Shinny, you're talking about Shinny, Nick Ross, Liam Polworth, all these guys, all the guys. And the coach that they related to, it took them all through the academy, was a coach with the reserves, a boy called Scott Kelleher. Scott Kelleher was a kid at Celtic when I was there. And then he actually says to me the first week, he says, uh, you better come and watch the kids train. I says, right, train a lot, an hour after us. We finished training, I went to watch the training with the kids. Who's, who's standing out like a beacon? Ryan Christie. So I'm saying, he's with the first team. So after a couple of weeks, I'm sort of sitting down, and I could see the rapport Kelleher had with these players. Although he was a coach with the, with, with, the, with the reserves, so Dunk was absolutely fantastic. And I says, we never had the room to take the tour. I mean, so I says to the chairman, listen, I want to bring Kelleher with the first team. I can see the rapport. Never had the first team dressing room. The boys are getting on pelters. It's got that go between and all that. But a right good coach. A right good football coach. And uh, so I swapped him over. And then he come with me. So that was the assessment part of it, bringing them all together. And uh, it was just drip feeding a little bit of the football in it because there was Terry Butcher linked to play in other teams half, get it forward, press, all that stuff. And we just changed it, just drip feeding a little bit. And that year we went to play, they were in the semi final of the League Cup. And we played Hearts at Easter Road, just so Hearts all football. And Hearts were beating us 1 0. We got two men sent off. 
and there was about five minutes to go. We pulled one back, got it one all. Held them in injury time. In, in injury time, you win the high. We were doing the ten men. Uh, that was the spirit that they had, and beat them on penalties to get the league cup final. So we got to the first season. We got a league cup final. Aberdeen beat us at no no draw. Wasn't a great game at Parkhead. Uh, uh, Aberdeen beat us on penalties, but I think that standards in good stead for the next again year. And then. Uh, the pre-season next year, I says to them, every one of you come back with your body weight and your body fat in shape and it'll be the best pre-season you'll ever had. Callum, you speak to any professional footballer and they'll tell you the dread pre-season. I've got to tell you, you know we never done a double session. The reason being, everybody stayed in Inverness. It was that far out there. Fantastic place to stay. I miss it now, the, the way of life. I miss it. I stayed in the Black Isle, which was about... 20 miles away from Inverness, away up in more Ross County country. I used to cycle in and cycle home. I was fit as a fiddle. Cycle in, I'm in it in a cycling, you know, the, the top of the cycle in, cycle home, fit as a, I loved it, I loved it. And just get in there, but everybody stayed in Inverness. So after training, they weren't all going back to Glasgow, Edinburgh, all over the place, this Glasgow. They all stayed together. So they all come back, started the pre season. We just trained, got them really fit, they all come back fit. And the only time we done a double session, we used to play all the Highland League teams. So we trained in the morning, they would get their dinner, go home, have a sleep, and then we would play at night. And that's the only time, and the boys absolutely loved it. The last game in that pre-season, we played Birmingham. Lee Clark was the manager, Lee Clarkie. And I think Tomo, Alan Thompson, assistant manager, we went to play Birmingham. They beat us 2-0. I've got to tell you something, we were a better team. We were a better football team. Christy sort of was there. Right after the game, they two were right into me. We're going to buy him, we're going to buy him. How much? Since I said, 90. Me, Christy, because he's in there doing all his stuff and all that. And uh, we were really popped it uh, really well. We're coming back in the, in the airport, and the wee chairman, all the directors were doing, they were on the Jolly Boy. You know, <laughs> uh, but the wee chairman was with us, and his face was tripping him. So eventually we got him there, we're winding him up. Uh, what's the matter? Oh, the directors are following. Hey, what's the matter? What's the matter? With you? Oh, they're all going on. We'll never win anything with this tippy tappy football. Oh, is that right? So it just shows you what we've done. Europe won the Scottish Cup. So that was that then. But that pre season, that's when I really went to town and all my, all my style of play, how I'm wanting it, short, sharp, quick passes, supplement. Everybody knew their job. Really worked hard, played so many games, played them all in different positions because of rotations. That's what works on a Saturday, all that stuff. And then took off. I think, I think, I think it might have been the second game of the season. We played Celtic, we beat Celtic up at Inverness 1 0. And that just gave us uh, the confidence and the momentum to take off. And I can remember uh, Collins after we joined after the game. I think Celtic maybe played a weakened team. And John says, You didn't want to say that. You didn't want to do that in Inverness. And all, all, a lot of managers, even when they beat them, they look after their own team, they didn't say too much. There's only two managers that have really come out and says, you know, uh, give, you, give you praise of what they've still play, and that's Ronnie and Mark McGee when they played Motherwell. I think they beat them in the, in the cup. He says, it's like, Mark McGee says, it's like playing Celtic. They all rotate and pop up, they all take the ball. You know, and that's a very good compliment. And Ronnie Dyla says this is the best football team 
that we've played out with ourselves. So that's good. And we beat them and that took us on. Absolutely fantastic. And the only thing I had to do, as I say, change it. And then I had to get, probably bring one in, never made changes. And I brought the boy Tansy in. Tansy was the quarterback. You know, the one that would go and take it between the centre-halves, hit all ranges, he passes, brave as a lion, take it anywhere. But the way these boys trained was unbelievable. They trained like, really trained. It was just total football. And then to go and do what we've done, Scottish Cup final, Europe, absolutely fantastic. And to beat Celtic in the semi-final, got a little bit lucky because Meekins was a handball and if the referee had seen it, it was a send-off. Uh, but once they went to the 10 men, Gordon got sent off. Yeah, you don't want to be playing Inverness or with, with 10 men because we play keep ball. You know, we'll stretch you, we'll whip you, we'll whip you. And when you see the winning goal, albeit an injury time, one of my full back shinnies up the left, crossing it, my other full back, David Raven's got in the back post, putting it in because two full backs go. That's the way the rotations they go. Wingers come in, two midfielders just sit and protect. So it's all the rotations. And to see that coming to fruition, absolutely fantastic. And we were underdogs, there was no pressure on us. Going into the final against my whole club, Falkirk, we were no favourites. So we had to handle that, had to handle that. And to be fair, that cup final, mixed emotions. But to win it, we were a better team in the first half. Never played great, but we dominated the game. Second half, Falkirk were a better team. They got the equaliser, we got a man sent off while we're hanging on. We had picked James, but two strikers were standing up top. Instead of one getting back into midfield to help, so we took one off, picked the boy James Vincent that could do that. It was more love to get forward, could get past the, the striker, get back into midfield, all that stuff. Got a man sent off, ended he ended up having to play right back. We'll see it. Need to just get to half time. And uh, Marley Watkins goes through, hits that goalkeeper. James, to right back, turns up, taps it in. And I always used to say, I say this, Vincent was one of my favourites. And she didn't say it as a manager because he was always hampered with injury, but he'd done something when I first went into Denverness. I just went, ah, you're the kind of guy for me. Terry Butcher went to Hibs. And they're coming for James Vincent. James Vincent went down to Hibs, had a look at all that great training ground that they've got and all that stuff. And you know he stuck at Falkirk because he linked our philosophy in the way we've got to play football. And he's once again, he should have played a little bit more. But if that was his reward, he scored the winning goal in the cup final, down to 10 men. Absolutely fantastic. And the boy Kelleher, I'll tell you a story, a funny story. The boy Kelleher. He's, if you ever got a chance, do have, he's a funny, funny boy. He keeps his head to real good coach, quality, quality coach, can understand the game. See if you're saying, this is who we're playing on Saturday, this is what I need to do, this is what, how I want to do it, I want to get the two in there, suck them in and get in there. He'll go away and draw up a training session, come in and say, this is what I think we should coach. Brilliant. He's miles in front of them all. And he's funny, funny boy. That year, he actually says, because he laughs at himself. See, one of these guys, it doesn't take himself seriously, but he puts the whole club together. And he's, he's in Inverness, born and bred. On a Sunday, what's the big garden centre that you go to? The big garden centre. You know where you get all the gardens? Oh, come on. What's it called? Eh? Being Q's all I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, it's the other one. Dobies, Dobies. Dobies, Dobies. They've got a big kitchen in there. Going, he's in there eating a big fry up on a Sunday, fry up on a Sunday. He, he, 
take your photographs of eating his breakfast and all that. Look at this Sunday morning. It was one of these guys. So he, he was brilliant at all the set plays and all that. So when a sub's gone on, you said, you go on, you need get him to pick up. You do this. This is what, what you want. And if you see one of the goals, when we were at him, always used to leave three players up the park. And when you see when Gordon got sent off, it was a corner for Celtic with we broke on him. And Watkins got stuck through. Run away for, I think it was Chambers, the fullback. When they catch him, Watkins, he was the quickest thing in Scottish football. He was a... Uh, uh, and but that day, so, so we've done all that. So Kelleher, he's got on right, right, we'll go, right, we've done the business. So we're, in, we're looking to make the substitution. This is how we win the cup. We're about 10 minutes earlier. In the morning, he says to me, I've, he says, oh, my stomach's all over the place. I've took two lakhs of tiffs. He says, I'll be all right by the time the game kicks off. Right? <laughs> well, it's not, the game's kicked off. Late in the second half, and I've turned around to make the substitution to Kells. He's no there. The lactatives are the lactatives are then kicked in. He's done he's done that with all the stuff to a tappy. Here it's yours, but Russell's he's away in the toilet, so I'm sitting Russell, Russell said, I've not got a clue what he so next thing next thing he's coming, all the boys are on the bench. I'm oh fucking hell and goodness stop laughing. And he's like that. Ah. I said, I'll get my I'll kill you. Oh there you go there, that was a true story. Then we got Vincent on the made a substitution. And that, that's a true story. But all that year, he used to say in the uh, dressing room, oh, he used to wind all the boys up. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. You get this club into Europe, right? He says, I'll take the training session with a mankini on. Right? No, he's about, let's just say he's a wee bit of a tubby scuffle or he wants his grub. <laughs> Every game we won in that league, it wasn't about oh beating Aberdeen or beating this, oh brilliant, great line. Came out, the top was after oh three points, he'll be in that mankini. And they held him to it and they done it. And to be fair to him, he wore a big wig and moustache and the mankini and all that. The boy sent it into Soccer AM, you know, Helen right. Chamberlain said, Oh, geez, slaughtered them. Right? But he took the mankini, but when we were finishing up training, right, pack it. Right, I'm in the car seat. I said, look at that my car, I'm away. So he jumps in the minibus with the first team boys to go back to the stadium. And he sees the minibus going down through the city centre. So he's well, like, ah, I know what's going on here. They're struggling, I'm getting with a mankini right in the city centre. The minibus is coming to traffic lights about 20 miles an hour. I'm behind it in the car. The side door opens and he jumps out. But you know that? It's too quick for your feet. Well, honestly, I've never seen with a man kidney on. The boys have got on video, he's warming, the backside's all wobbling about, they're both turns, run right past my car, right back into the training pit, and jumps in the kids' um, minibus. And that's the kind of water boy, honestly, I just go, ah. And we even laugh about it now, some of the stuff, but that. Never last so much at a football club as we did up in Inverness. It was just laugh, laugh, Latapi, and then Chipper come in. Uh, and it was just laugh, laugh, laugh. Real enjoyment and working with any kind of players. The boys were absolutely brilliant. You feel sorry for them because the boy Gary Warren was everything you want at your club. 
heart on your sleeve, centre half, come there, go and head it, head it, stick his head in there, you know, and you're turning into a footballer, getting on the ball, passing it and all that. We play in the semi-final League Cup, he gets sent off, misses the League Cup final, gets booked in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, misses the Scottish Cup final. Richard Foran, who run the dressing room a bit, done his shoulder, then done his knee. It was big Richard O'Ferry, he would have been Richard playing centre-forward, never made that cup final. Real good um, guys that have done really well for the club and all that stuff, but absolutely Wow. And even the wee chairman, wee Kenny up there, uh, I used to cycle in all the time and I, I used to piss him off because as you're going out the front door, his office was just to the left through the front desk. He used to, he used to come in, I need to see you. Come in. See, every time I went in his office, I used to take my bike. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got all the gear on, but I used to take my bike in. And I used to take the bike in. And oh, the wee Kenny was different class. He was good. Just at the end there, we, we stopped. The budget got tight and all that stuff. Uh, but great. And as I say, he worked with guys like Shinny, Christie, Marley Watkins. You could, there was a wee boy up there, Aaron Dorrance. Uh, Irish boy, he's been up there for about nine years now. Ah, good player, Aaron. Really good, good football player. Big Draper, Bully Mackay, but Bully had left, went down to Wigan. Uh, Tansy, oh, brilliant. David Raven, the right back. Shinny, Cantor, Markham, Winchin, and them all right through. And the boy, Josh Meekins, he had all the pace at the back, you know, that Dundee now. And it was just bringing them together and getting the best out of them and managing them. And I used to keep saying to them, this will be the best time of your career. Trust me, this will be the best time of your career. And even now, every one of them, you know, talking, uh, you get them on the group chat and all that, saying, ah, you were right, Gaffer, you were right, you were right. Same, same with the boys at Falkirk, you were right, you were right. I coach for the SFA now, I do the coaching badges, you know, the tutor, you come on, and so you do the A, and you see all your old players, ex-players coming through, because I used to say them, get your coaching badges. You make, no matter what age, it makes you a better player. You understand the game, you go, oh, Christ, I all hang up. easy playing it, coaching it and seeing it, two different games, and you, right, and you see them all coming and you get talking to them and, oh, ah, you were right, you were right. And I say, ah, it's nice to see you on your badges and all that stuff. So, fantastic. Seeing all that, Callum, that's probably, see, I would give the whole lot up if I could start again at 15. See if she says to me, give it, start again. I loved it that much. Loved it. Never done it. I just done it for the football. Even now, right? I keep myself fit. Even now, I bump into guys and say, Do you miss a game? And all? Do you miss playing? Nah, no, really. You're joking. So, see if I could still play, I would play. I could, I would still play. Even now, I'm saying, I could still probably play junior. You know, I could get myself back. And the only reason I stopped playing is because of my eyes. I played in a charity match once and the ball coming out of the head and I hit, stood the head and it there. On the forehead, I hit there. I just went, oh, I'm not playing again. I could not nah, try to see the ball. But I could get the contacts and just go and play. And I miss it, I miss it, miss the banter, uh, all that stuff. But even if I was never to get back into it, the boys that I've uh, coached, worked with, played with, and even now, I've done it my way. That's the thing I can hang my hat on. I can sit here and talk to you about football. 
I've noticed a lot of people, football and all that stuff, right, great, we're all into that. And everybody to their own, there's plenty of ways to win a game. The way I played football, right from the way I started, passing the ball, you know, getting on it, bringing that kind of play to your club, keeping the ball off the opposition, entertaining teams, scoring goals, I can talk about it because I've had success. I've had success in three cup finals. You know, three cup finals, three teams in Europe, two for the first time in their history. I've had success. Um, and not even just players, finding players, you, you identify staff as well. You know, you have to have an eye for seeing. Oh. Eric's still there. Right, you have to have a, for an eye for staff and saying, ah, he's, he's a good staff. Even the wee boy Ross Wilson, now in at Rangers. You know, we employed him. He, he was never had a job. We employed him at Falkirk. You know, bringing here and all the people that you bring in. Absolutely fantastic. Love it. Absolutely loved it. Because when you see it all, it brings a smile to your face and you laugh. And a few disappointments that are good because it refuels the fire because people are doubted you. And you don't doubt me. That's one thing. You never do it as a player. You know, even when I, when I left school, everybody, everybody signed. I never got taken on. I thought I was going to Hibs. Never got taken on at 16, coming through that juvenile. Never got taken on. Look where I ended up. Ended up playing for Glasgow Celtic. You know, right, right at the pinnacle of Scottish football, old firm, European football, all that stuff. Just come up short. If you know, get playing for my country. Every time I speak to Craig, that is Craig Brown. Oh, we're going to cut you. Ah, yes, swing. And then right back into football, there. So, and there's still plenty of fuel in the tank to go again. Uh, and I honestly, I, I think the kind of character I am and the style of football, I think Scottish football could do that. So, it's just finding the right club, the right boys that go like that, the right saying, that's a bit us, we want to do that. Uh, all right. uh, and hopefully if I get in there, then I can bring them success. Absolutely, and, and I've really enjoyed this. This has been one of the funniest ones I've ever had. And what I've really enjoyed is your love of football is clear to see. We talked about your CV. Just thinking back to Inverness there, you finished fifth, you finished third, you finished seventh, which for Inverness, considering where they are now, incredible yeah. achievements. Callum, the seventh one was probably better. However, they say, oh, he, he's just talking over it because see that year, they all left. Shimmies and Christie's yeah. and they're all left. And see the start of the season. The boy Gary Warren I was talking about, the captain, he broke his leg in its Motherwell first game of the season. Josh Meekins done his knee, that was my two centre-halves out for the whole season. And Doran's done his uh, knee as well. He never played. So that was a real tough season in terms of, you know, we were really and keeping it going, keeping it going, keeping it going. Uh, but it's all fair to these boys. These boys, you just told you, see the, these guys that took it in had the game knowledge. You went like that, you know, they had the tactical awareness to do it like that. In possession, out of possession. They hang on every word that you're saying because they know they're getting educated. You know, you've got them on the training pitch. They can see your enthusiasm, the work you're prepared to put into them. As long as they're prepared to work, to become better. They all just go, ah, oh, well, that's a bit of me. He's a bit of that. Aye. And that was it. I used to see everyone. I'll tell you that semi-final with the cup, Celtic. I pulled the big boy Richard the Fearer in. Right, he was a big sort of target man. We pulled him in into the office. Psychology. All the boys were sitting in the office. I said, where's that newspaper looking about? There's no newspaper. 
she's just in deniers in that newspaper, and she's, you know, he's saying, saying he's got a view in his pocket and all that. But Big Edward didn't say much, but ball like a tank. So uh, he just would turn it into it. We will see. Walk two in the line. Oh, that's why I said. Next one, Marley Watkins. Marley Watkins is the fittest player in all my career I've ever worked with. He used to be doing pre-season, he would run backwards. It was that easy for him. Fit, he was a freak of nature. Six feet two. He went in Norwich, he's doing it at Bristol City. Quick, but no quick once. Quick. Constant. See that semi-final against Hearts doing the nine men. Marley done two jobs. It was just a freaking nature, right? Marley in next. I says, Van Dyke gets it out of the back, pins it all about and all that, and then wants to knock him on his backside. I says, you can win us, you can get win us this game. You get right inside his shots. I says, he doesn't get them started. The goalie has to kick it. They get them. They don't start it. They press them. You and you knock him on his backside. I'm telling you. Six feet two, Marley. And see when he went, you wouldn't catch him. He was rapid. Marley, what's a bit of me? The two of the coaches, uh, Russell and Kelleher, says, you better calm down and see, we need to finish with 11 men. But that's just the psychology and the stuff up at Inverness. So absolutely fantastic thing. And you look back at it and you think, ah, good. But as you say, desperate to get back in, and hopefully it'll happen soon. You mentioned the St. Johnston. You look at them, you know, you get disappointed because even Dundee are way back there and you go in for that and you try and do it right. You've got your agent, you've got a CV, it'll, you know, stand you in good stead. And you didn't, they didn't even get in contact with you, the boys, John Mellums. No, even, no, even an email, no, even a text message, nothing. I've actually got John Collins. John Collins is trying to help me out. He's emailing, texting, nothing comes back. And you sort of say, that's sick of you a wee bit. You know, the way you do your business, you know, but you just, that's the way football works. Um, even when you're asking me to come on, at least I say not, but I always text you back and say, no, I'm not coming on. When you say, it should be, you, you keep butting at it, at it. You're like, that dug me up on. So I just hope, I just hope that, as you say that, St. Johnston, you know, I just hope I get the chance like everybody else to interview and the interview goes well. And who knows, I could be back in football. Well, I hope so, and, and one of the things we've talked about, we've talked about your CV as a whole, but being a Scottish Cup winning manager, how proud does that make you? And how proud does it make you the fact that that's the biggest achievement in the history of Inverness Football Club, and you were the manager behind it? Yeah, and I don't think, honestly, I think I'm very, very proud. Plus, I was probably a so-called provincial club, doing it with probably the less budget in the league. You know, but that's what you have to do as a coach. You need to work them. You, you cannot go. I got lucky because there was a couple of diamonds in there. Christie, who what Christie's doing now? As soon as I seen him, I was like, ah, oh, I won the lottery here. Boom, first team, never come back out. Never come back out. And the way the first team looked after him. And that's what he was needing at the time. The, the way we trained in intensity and the demands that we put on training and the quality. Everything that I learned probably at a later age when I went to Celtic, I went to Celtic 31, I think I knew it all. The standard and the tempo in which they train. So that's what we implemented, that's what I implement. And if they don't want to do it, you can get off the training pitch. If they think you know better, don't come back to the club. And if you get a buy-in like that, so her diamonds, but you do that, absolutely fantastic. But I'm not going to sit back and rest on my logs. John Hughes is no finish. I need a break, I need someone to sort of say, you know, a kindred spirit and say, that's a guy for me. 
and look at it and no be, no put off. Speak to the right people, speak to all the good guys. Obviously, the, the, the bad bit is the, the, the disappointment in Rafe Rovers. But all the other stuff, you know, speak to these guys and they'll tell you how hard I work. So I think John Hughes has still got another place in Scottish football. And hopefully it will be Scottish football, but I've still got a place in football. Scott's still got too much to give. I still like a bit of banter. And there's not a better place for a bit of banter and a bit of laugh and hard work of being in football. Absolutely, and as I say, I'm glad that I've been pestering you to come on since I started this. I'm just very thankful that you've come on, and you've never once told me to piss off as much as I must have been annoying you, so thank you very much. <laughs> uh, you're top man, Callum, and I, I, I've noticed since I knew it was coming on, I hope your podcast goes to strength to strength. You've had, had some wonderful guys on here. Kevin Keegan, you had Kevin Keegan on? He's going to be coming on soon. Tell him I'm asking for him because Kevin come in and took a coaching session for me at Falkirk. You know why? You know where Hannah, when he had his football circus at, where was it in Glasgow? We went as a team. It was magnificent. That was the right idea. All the ball. What were your other kids should be coaching today? See when the lights are flashing and you're and it's coming back and you're stopping like Kevin Keegan went on. His head was up. Never knocking out every light and you're saying to yourself, it was brilliant. We went there, we got on, and they come in and took a coaching session for us, took my strikers, Jamie and guys, so tell them I'm asking for them, and I hope your podcast goes to strength to strength. And one day we might see Morton back in that SPL. Well, fingers crossed, thanks again. Hey, well, I've talked, man, all right? So we'll dive down to the ocean, and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave, and our shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song